everybody. Welcome back to Taboo Shit, where we talk about good shit, dumb shit, real shit, and your shit. Today, we will be talking about the 15 cognitive dysfunctions versus society's norms and society's socially accepted behaviors. But first, don't forget to check out my nonprofit, Created to Inspire the Uninspired, to Inspire Others, and Be the Good I Want to See in the World. Creative Uniques at cuniques.com. Here you will find vintage and antique collectibles as well as handmade designed art. Now, let's get to some real shit. In 1976, psychologist Aaron Beck first proposed the theory behind cognitive distortions, and in the 1980s, David Burns was responsible for popularizing it with common names and examples of the distortions. All right, now that we got a history, let's jump into this. Filtering. A person engaged in filtering, or mental filtering, takes the negative details and magnifies those details while filtering out all positive aspects of a situation. For instance, a person may pick out a single unpleasant detail and dwell on it excessively so that their vision or reality becomes darkened or distorted. When a cognitive filter is applied, the person sees only the negative ignores anything positive. Where can we put in society or pull out from society where this cognitive dysfunction of filtering is used? I definitely believe we could say the media and that's socially accepted. TV shows. We constantly watch reality shows where they focus on the negatives aspects instead of, of focusing on the positives. In the news media, why is it that we see all the deaths and not all the survival rates? I don't know. These are just real things that, okay, society, um, that's one factual, evident thing that, or distortion that society teaches us as a normal activity. Okay, we're only on number one. Let's get to number two and see how society connects. Polarized thinking. In other words, black and white thinking. In polarized thinking, things are either black or white, all or nothing. We have to be perfect or we are a complete failure. There is no middle ground. A person with polarized thinking places people or situations in either or categories with no shades of gray or allowing for the complexity of most people in most situations. A person with black and white thinking sees things only in extremes. Where can we see that? I would beg to say, let's wait that last sentence. I would say the media. Interesting. What the entire nation gets all their facts from now we're on number two and they do both so polarized thinking how does the media do that let's jump into hollywood any mistake they make any kind of move they make that is deemed a negative or a positive the media will make it an extreme negative or an extreme positive and I beg to say that there is a definitely 
70-30 of bad and good in our media. So are they teaching us to think polarized? Extremes? So then when we react, interact with the individuals that when they do one thing wrong, it becomes a huge thing wrong and we judge? Interesting. I think that's very relevant in our society as a normal thing to do. So now we're teaching our society to filter and to think polarized, black and white. All right, let's go to number three. Um, there's 15. Maybe we can find one that our society isn't teaching us to be like. Overgeneralization. In this cognitive distortion, a person comes to a general conclusion based on a single incident or a single piece of evidence. If something bad happens just once, they expect it to happen over and over again. A person may see a single unpleasant event as part of a never-ending pattern of defeat. For instance, if a student gets a poor grade on one paper in one semester, they conclude they are a horrible student and should quit school. I absolutely agree with this. That that is a cognitive distortion because that's like that's exactly how society treats our inmates. It with whether they are in there for a misdemeanor six months or ten years. A criminal is a criminal. A felon is a felon. They're all bad, right? That's what society teaches us to not hang out with them and, and, and what does that do? What does that honestly do to a human when all of society all of a sudden judges them a certain way because they make a mistake? What if every mistake you made, you walked around with a sign on you saying what all your past mistakes are? I would absolutely say that this happens all the time in society, especially with inmates, people who's been to jail. It marks them for life. It's You might as well just say, oh, don't try anything else because it goes with this. So remember, it goes with this. You'll always have this reminding you of your failure. Like, and it's not really a failure in, in, the, in reality either. So society is telling you, oh, tell everybody you're, you've done this. What? How does that help an individual? How does that create harmony? How does that create someone to expect better out of themselves? How does that create any kind of motivation for either the individual or the person wanting to connect with an individual? But then, oh, society says I can't really, oh, I got to look at this first before I say hello. What? Why do people roll up their windows around homeless people as if they are not a human being? Oh, they must do drugs. They're out. Really? Actually, most of them are mentally ill. And um, that's mentally, quote unquote, ill. That's a whole nother subject because I don't believe it's an illness. Because it's a unique thing about me. It's a unique thing about everybody that I've ever met with a mental gift. 
Anyway, that's a whole nother story. I digress. Back to over generalization. <laughs> Where else do we get this? I think a lot of over overgeneralization is all in judgment. And how is judgment created through categories, labels? How society wants you to look at yourself and to see where you don't align with what they want you to align with. Interesting. Now we're on number four. So that's three out of three that we're being taught in society about cognitive distortions and how they're okay. But in reality, with psychologists, it's absolutely an entire category of common cognitive distortions. Why are they common? Hmm. I don't know. We're only on number three, and we have three being taught to us every day in society as if it's a good thing. Um, let's keep going. Number four, jumping to conclusions. Whoa. Does anybody know anybody like that? Wow, and most of the time, it's not a norm for society to hear you jump, uh, asking questions or anything. They want you to be in your head, right? And and you don't just say, oh, well, did you do this? Did you? No, don't get answers. Just blow it all up in your head, make an entire imaginary story because you don't need to cause confrontation, right? That's a negative thing. But when did it become com confrontation? Because I call that a discussion. And before a, a anything more, it would be a debate. And if people can't accept just an opinion or just an understanding of a sentence, it's very interesting. How much are they really, really listening? If you say, if you say some sentence and then it was a joke, but they never said anything about it. And then they create this entire thing in their head and you had no idea. You're just going about your business and then they explode. That's supposed to be good. Hmm. Do we think that maybe there's some people that just hold it in until they can't anymore? And why is that? Do they do that because inner conflict or they do that because Society says, oh, we should all be happy and smiling. Jumping to conclusions. Without individuals saying so, a person who jumps to conclusions knows what another person is feeling and thinking. I can definitely say my entire life people have been telling me what I think and what I'm feeling. If it's not to tell me it's absurd, it's because it's too much, or it's because... You don't say those things out loud. Like what? <laughs> what does that teach somebody? And exactly why they act the way they do. In particular, a person is able to determine how others are feeling towards the person as though they could read their mind. Jumping to conclusions can also manifest itself as fortune telling where a person believes their entire future is preordained whether it be in school, work, or romantic relationships. So I could definitely say if you're raised in a environment where a relationship was not shown in a positive light, that 
jumping to conclusions of what past experiences have proven to you through your environment growing up could absolutely cause someone to jump to conclusions before even realizing what they have in front of them because they expect oh you said something similar that triggered this and now you are going to do that so I got to make sure I leave you know like it's just so many people do this this is such a common thing in society and it's a normal thing in society and we are promoted to not be be um what's the word open with what we want to say all right that's four out of four well we're being taught four out of the 15 cognitive dysfunctions on a normal daily basis so let's see how many more catastrophizing when a person engages in catastrophizing they expect disaster to strike no matter what this is also referred to as magnifying and can also come out in its opposite behavior minimizing in this distortion a person hears about a problem and uses what if questions what if tragedy strikes what if happens if it happens to me to imagine the absolute worst occurring. For example, a person might exaggerate the importance of insignificant events, such as their mistake or someone else's achievement, or they may inappropriately excuse me, shrink the magnitude of significant events until they appear tiny. For example, a person's own desirable qualities or someone else's imperfections. I know a lot of this. People who grow up in dysfunctional environments ask this all the time because it's a survival skill they have to protect themselves and so they got to prepare but when they prepare and think that they got to do all these things they can't see what's right in front of them where else do we catastrophize in the media on TV shows to each other when something happens to us we're so focused on how we feel we don't even understand that we were hurt because that person's hurting it even more does that really sound like we should be boasting about what they did to us when honestly it's not even a piece of what they're feeling if they have that much energy built up to put negativity and do negative things to you that's a lot of energy. That means that's a lot of energy that's not being put into love, happiness. Think about it. It's interesting. Let's go to number six, personalization. Personalization is a distortion where a person believes that everything others do or say is some kind of direct personal reaction to them. They literally take virtually everything personally, even when something is not meant in that way. A person who experiences this kind of thinking will also compare themselves to others, trying to determine who is smarter, better looking, etc. A person engaging in personalization may also see themselves as the cause of some unhealthy external event that they are not responsible for. For example, we are late to the dinner party and caused everyone to have a terrible time. If I had only pushed my husband to leave on time, this wouldn't have happened. Interesting. 
we put a lot of responsibility of other people's behaviors and other people's feelings on ourselves when we have no control over that. We only have control over ourselves and our own feelings. We are also drawn to people of the same vibration or energy or flow. That's who we feel comfortable with. When we really need to surround ourselves with people who inspire us and push us and we push them and support them in all they do. That's a true friendship. That's a true relationship. I do this all the time. All the time. I blame myself for so many things when they're not even my fault. Somebody else being malice towards me or, you know, it's taken, taken a long time for me to understand that these people are just feeling those exact ways about themselves. Somebody will tell you, you will never make a name for yourself. You will never be anything because they know they will never be anything or make anything of themselves because they don't believe it in themselves. Hmm. I've had that said to me so many times and look at me. I do a lot. I have a lot of licenses in a lot of trades. Working in corporate during the day and by night making my nonprofit. I am somebody changing lives and trying to inspire the uninspired, just inspire others. And if nobody knows me but one person and I get to help them, it's all worth it because I'm something to somebody. Saying, it only takes one life to save a life. Let's go to number seven control fallacies. I think I can make a whole podcast about this one. This distortion involves two different but related beliefs about being in complete control of every situation in a person's life. In the first, if we feel externally controlled, we see ourselves as helpless. A victim of fate. For example, I can't help it if the quality of the work is poor. My boss demanded I work overtime on it. The fallacy of internal control has us assuming responsibility for the pain and happiness of everyone around us. For example, why aren't you happy? Is it because of something I did? Interesting. Automatically you go up to people, did I do something? Did I do something? Why does it have to be about you? Why do you control their emotions? If you make a choice in your life to do something, it's because you chose it because you believe that it's best for your life. And if you truly unconditionally love somebody, you want them to be happy and you want them to do what's best for them in their lives, if it's with you or not. Maybe they did something that in return you, you felt a certain way do you feel that certain way because you feel a lack of that circumstance in yourself we have control over nothing in this life no, nobody else's decisions nobody else's responses nobody else's sadness nobody else's anger nobody else's 
decision to feel a certain way. Regardless, we punish ourselves enough by the mistakes we make. And then society does it again. So how can we move forward in life if then we also take on other people's emotions? And take on their reactions or their outbursts or their choice in what emotions they feel. I'm not saying feel happy when somebody does something shitty to you. I'm just saying you learn a lesson. You thank God for your struggles and pray that it not only helped you, but also was either a lesson for anyone else involved or an experience that helps you become more to yourself than you ever thought of yourself. You learn self-worth by people taking advantage, lying, stealing. You learn boundaries. You learn what you will accept in life and what you won't. You can, you can control your actions and you can control the outcomes in which the mistakes have taught you lessons. Our society teaches us that we can be whatever we want to be. Just dream it and you can be it. I beg to differ. Sometimes you just aren't six foot ten. Sometimes you're five foot three and you just can't be that basketball player. You know what I'm saying? And our society says it's possible. And when we don't achieve what we believe we are entitled to achieve, or then we feel like failures. That's number seven out of seven that society is teaching us. That is distortions of our cognitive functions. And there's still eight more that I haven't gotten to. Are you the problem? Is society the problem? Are media the problem? Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Well, I'm going to stop there. We've been on for about 31 minutes, fam. So we will pick this back up on the next podcast. So your girl BK's out. Taboo shit, he's out, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.